0: Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. I've been watching a couple of the specials on TV about 9/11 and thinking about terrorism and terrorists. And I don't know. My mind has gone a couple times this week. Well, I wonder if anything's planned uh, for this day today or this weekend, and been praying about that. Every time I do that, I turn my my heart and mind to God and ask for protection. Um, one of the one of the things terrorists and terrorism do to us is it it creates a, a trauma, an event that we need to process rightly and we need to respond to it and our response to the event, the fear or the terror that is created by it will will really either uh, be to our benefit or Will hurt us over the long haul um, as i 've watched the events on a couple of these specials i 've been very inspired by the courage and the valor that that many people showed in the in the face of this this tra- tragedy. Um, just watching uh, the united flight ninety three guys just they, they took action they did something to stop what was about to occur there on that flight um, on, I watched thing last night on the Heroes of the 88th Floor. They were on the 88th Floor, one of the towers. And two guys, guys—they they weren't the rescue workers weren't going to be able to get to them. Two guys decided that they were going to look for people on their floor that were trapped, try to help them get out into safety, and they did that. 20 or 40 people, they helped them get out into safety. And then they had a choice to make. They went up instead of down with everybody else. They went up to the next floor, helped some more people on that floor, and then kept going up. And in, in the face of that, just the valor, the, the courage to, to step and to think about other people it was just a real inspiration to me. One guy was talking who went down that they had helped free. They busted through a door, helped free a man who was walking down. And he got to a door, and he noticed some people coming out, and he stopped, and he held the door for the line of people that were coming out. And he said in his mind he realized, "Uh uh-oh, this line is a lot longer than I expected. (laughs) And so now I've got a choice to make. Am I going to step in line and keep going down or am I going to just hold the door for everybody else? He looked up and the line of people coming down were looking at him like, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay there and block the way or whatever? And he, he decided to hold the door for the people there. It's these little decisions that we make in our minds that determine what we're going to say and what we're going to do. And it's very, very important as we, as we deal with fear to handle it the right way because it can affect us negatively for the rest of our lives. So it's very, very important. A couple of things that helped me are to realize, you know, God, I'm in your hands. You're not going to allow anything to happen to me that you didn't allow, that you didn't intend. But also to turn to Scripture and to fight the fear with, with the scripture, one of the passages that really helps me is Psalm 27. One, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The answer is no one. Another one, Hebrews 13:6. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? It's very important as we deal with terror, and things like that, that we, uh, we lock our hearts and minds on the right things. Because that shows up in the way we live the rest of our lives. Very, very, very important stuff. That's where the battle rages in our heart and mind, in our thoughts and our emotions. And so that's why we're digging into, like we've been doing over the last few weeks and wrapping up today, our attitudes. We're talking about my place. It's important to know my place and to take my place. When we approach our roles and our relationships and our responsibilities in life, we choose an approach. We choose a mental place or an attitude to launch from, and that attitude shows up and determines how we relate, how what we say, what we do, and it affects to a tremendous degree, the outcome of, of what we're dealing with. So we've been looking at in this series, my place as a follower of Christ. And, and if you're investigating what that means to follow Christ, you'll find out that Christ followers are commanded to take the same attitude that he chose in life. So in this series, we've highlighted Jesus very upside down, it's very upside down teaching, and his example on how to know your place and how to take it. His approach, while it's counterintuitive, it takes us to a, a place where we really want to be. It brings a lot of contentment, a sense of deep contentment and joy. But it's extremely backward from our normal way of thinking. So we've been looking. and I'd like to walk through what we've looked at so far just briefly at the beginning of this message today. And the first week we looked at knowing my place. To serve God's purpose for my life, I must know my place and take my place. Just like an app on a smartphone has to, if you're gonna, if it's gonna give you directions, it has to find where you are. It has to, to locate you. And it's the same way in our minds. We must find the right location to start from if we're gonna end up where we wanna be, in the right place. And in Philippians 2, which we dug into the first week, I find my place by following Jesus' example. And he set this example. He took the very nature of a servant. He didn't go to work 40 hours a week as a servant, but he took the very nature. This is how he saw himself, wherever he was when he lived his life. He viewed himself as a servant in that place. He humbled himself. He considered others better than himself, and he became obedient. If I'm going to follow Christ, this is my place. I do what Jesus did. And as a result, God honored Jesus, put him in the highest place in the universe, and this is a pattern we see in Scripture. As we humble ourselves before God, take the role of a servant, set ourselves to obey him, he honors us, he brings respect our way. This is the example I follow if I'm going to take my place, the place God wants in the various areas of my life, at home, at work, at school, with my friends, in church life. When I do this, when I take my place this way, I'm in the right mental position or the attitude to live a life full of purpose and meaning and contentment and joy. The second week we looked at my place in the household. In the Bible a household is a term that it doesn't relate to my house or the people who live in it it relates to my circle of family friends associates and acquaintances my circle that i relate to on a regular basis god placed you in your circle for a reason he put you right there for a reason the bible's perspective is that he has landed you right where you are you were born into your family you live where you live. You are put at your address, and he grew you up there for a purpose, for a reason. Now, sometimes we have to protect ourselves if we, for instance, if we get in, in a group connected to a group of people that are too tempting for us to continue to relate to, or in, in, in some situations we have to um, disconnect if they're damaging. But there are some parts of our circle that are permanent, and God wants us to relate to them in a way that honors him and learn to handle it in a way that that is faithful to him and to the people around us and serve God in that way. We don't just throw our circle away like a Frisbee and get a new one. God put us there for a reason, so that's what we want to do. God's reason for placing you in your circle to do good works and to share the good news about Jesus Christ. that's That's his reason. Third week, we looked at my place in the bank. And what we found is God wants us to have a heart of generosity to shape our outlook on our finances. We were made, Scripture says, in the image of God, and he is a generous person. He is exponentially generous. And so he made us to be generous as well. He made us with a generosity gene. Sometimes it's hard to find. Sometimes it's hard to get to. But when we learn to be generous, life gets really good. And, and when we gain more than we need to live, it's important to realize that God has a purpose for that. God's purpose in giving me more than I need is so that I'll use it for him, for his purpose, for his cause, and to demonstrate his love to the people around me. So God wants us to grow generous in two ways, to serve his purpose, to spread the good news, to help people in need, to do good works. It all flows from there. Today we're going to dig into my place in the church. And God puts people together in churches, in groups of Christ followers, to do something. He doesn't put us here just to get together and sing or to listen to a talk or to enjoy one another's company, he puts us together to do something. Christianity is is like a a team sport, and and Jesus brings us together. He doesn't want anybody to be a spectator in that team sport. Now, I I want to show a video that's going to give us some comic relief, and a little bit of perspective on teaming up to get to serve God's purpose in the world. So here's this video. Enjoy it. We'll we'll. Keep talking in a little while. Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're Get In Here Ministries. And you know, Chachi and I, we couldn't be more excited about the idea of teamwork. And today we're going to take the idea of teamwork and paint you a beautiful picture through the medium of music. Take it away, Johnny. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> You know, hearing Johnny sing by himself is rather putrid and boring. It's amazing what happens when you add others to the mix. Check this out. You know, through modern technology, we're even able to do this. I'll tell you, though, about teamwork. You know, it's less about me and more about we. Let me kick a harmony. We all know the old saying that there's no I in team, but there's also no selfish hypocrisy in team either. Let me throw a dato in the mix. You know, when people say, no man is an island, I used to think, of course no man is a piece of land surrounded by a body of water. (laughs) Then I realized what they mean, I think I get it. Somebody once said that none of us is as smart as all of us. And I don't really know what that means, but I know I like it. Now watch me break out something special. You know, I think we've made some pretty good points about teamwork and the value therein of it. And if teamwork were a person, I'd love them as all get out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we made good. some headway on the Pretty good. All right. <laughs> I thought we could use a little comic relief today. Um, as the video illustrates, um, it takes it it requires humility if we're going to work together to accomplish something. You have to keep choosing that over and over and over again. We have to choose our place in relation to the people around us. Today, we're going to dig into what that means in church life, how we're to work together and how we're to approach it. If you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, today's message should help you find out some important ways that we follow him. If you decide to follow Christ, what he's going to do is he's going to lead you to get connected and contribute to the church. And by the church, I mean God's people who are in a specific place to fulfill a specific purpose. Um, Attending on Sundays is important, but beginning to connect with other believers uh, and to help start learning what Christian life is all about is is really crucial, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. If you've recently decided to follow Christ, or you've recently renewed your commitment to him, uh, you need to know that you have an enemy, Satan, and one of his most successful strategies... For stopping your spiritual growth is to give you an excuse to stay away from church, from other believers, from other Christians who will encourage you to grow. Um, he'll he'll use conflict, unforgiveness, misunderstandings, the idea I just don't click with these people, they don't understand me, I've got better things to whatever it is. He'll he'll use a a, a lot of things, but. This is one of his weapons. He wants to pull you away from the body of Christ. Many times, following the Lord, and this is clear in Scripture, becomes an epic wrestling match with the enemy. Just to take steps forward, we're we're in a we're in a fight. If you've walked with God for a long time and your walk is more cerebral, you you just you collect ideas about God and. Following Christ, but you don't really do much with Him. Uh, this may explain why your Christian life and your walk is stale, like eating saltine crackers, you know, with no juice or water or 7-Up. I like 7-Up with my saltines. I don't know about you. It's usually when I'm sick, but I do. I do like them. (laughs) But Christianity is more like a team action sport, like football, where you're trying to gain yards, you're heading toward a goal, than it is like poker, where you sit around a table and you bluff and you try to fool people to get more chips for yourself. It's a lot more like we're working together and we're moving toward a goal. Today's message is an important reminder of why we do church, why we get together and why we work to do the things that we do. And how it helps everyone who plugs in. So today we're going to start with that theme we've been looking at throughout this series. And we're going to look at my place in the church and we're going to start with the unbreakable law. It shows up again. Jesus kept reminding in different ways, in different circumstances, through stories, through things that were going on in the lives of the people that he was trying to train and how to follow him. He kept bringing this up. And so it's important for us to get a hold of. Luke 18 says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. This is, this is what can happen in church. We feel good about what we're doing. We get self-righteous. We begin to look around at other people. Two men went to the temple to pray, he said. One was a Pharisee, a religious leader, very religious person. And the other was a despised tax collector, considered scum of the earth by the people who are religious in this day. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Very easy to define Christianity in terms of things we do, so we can do those things and feel good about ourselves. It's very easy. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even to lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There it is again. This unbreakable law that keeps showing up all through the pages of Scripture, it's there. Men and women who walk with God, those who've walked with God for years, stay close to him, get into the Scripture, allow it to permeate the way they think. They understand this unbreakable law. They, they live in line with it. The longer you follow Christ, it seems the more you adopt this perspective. You, you begin to approach life this way. William Carey was known as the father of modern missions, and God used him to launch a movement in the church for spreading the good news uh, all over the world. And he, he made a particular impact on, on India, which still exists today. But when Dr. Carey was suffering from a dangerous illness, somebody asked him, if you were to die, what what funeral text, at your funeral, what Bible passage would you like to be read? And he responded, well, I really am not worthy of having a funeral, but if you insist, this is the text I would like you to read. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. In the same spirit of humility, he directed in his will. The following inscription should be on his gravestone. Nothing else. This is it. And this is what they put. William Carey, born August 17th, 1761, then the day he died. A wretched, poor, and helpless worm, on thy kind arms I fall. Interesting attitude. But I've heard similar statements from Mother Teresa from Billy Graham, people who walk with God and they grow close to him and they dig into scripture and they allow it to soak into their heart and mind, they understand who God is and who they are in relation to him. And it puts life in perspective. They take their place before God and before the people around them. There's an unbreakable law that shows up all through the pages of scripture Humble yourselves before God, and he will exalt you. Exalt yourself before God and the people around you, and you will get humbled. That, that is the way life works. So that's the backdrop. That's the attitude that we take into church life. It's very easy to begin to define Christianity as something that I do. And if I do these things and make God happy, then I can have the rest of my week. Myself. Very, very dangerous. So we're going to look at why taking my place in the church is vital to my spiritual health. Uh, Ephesians 4 11 through 16. It says this, and his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are leaders in church, and there are different gifts and abilities. To equip the saints, we're all saints, those of us who've decided to follow Christ. Saint is a word that means, actually it means holy one. We've been made holy by what Jesus has done. Not We're not holy in and of ourselves or better than anybody else. But what he's done on the cross has made us holy, so we're referred to as saints. Um, to equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And then it starts uh, to define... Christian maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the cunning of men, by the craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. We, we humans we have a real tendency, and I mean a strong pull in us, to turn Christianity into religion and ritual. We can be like the Pharisees that Jesus was talking about in that story who focus on rules and rituals to try to make us feel better about ourselves and to try to keep God happy. Because if God's happy, if I can do these things and keep him happy then I can do whatever I want with the rest of my life. But that's not it at all. That, that's not at the heart of Christian faith. Ephesians 4 gives us the right perspective here, the passage I just read. The Christian life is about working together to grow and accomplish God's purpose. It's not primarily organizational. It's, church is not a building. It's, it's a group of people. It's very organic. It's, it's a living, the church is a living organism. It's a body that God has brought together through Jesus Christ to accomplish his purpose in the world. And we need to be connected to the church and contributing to the purpose of the church if we're going to grow. It's vital to our spiritual health. Very, very crucial. The body of Christ is one of the main sources that God has provided for our growth. It's a resource that God's provided. In order to grow spiritually, we have to tap into the resources God has provided and uh, given us to bring growth, uh, spiritual growth in our life. Now, I I have a pretty pathetic avocado tree in my backyard. Um, I've been pretty busy, and I haven't given it much time. And I let it go, and it needs water. My, my peach tree and my plum tree and my citrus tree, they're doing great because they seem to do okay on just the sprinklers, the, the water they get from the sprinklers. My avocado tree, it needs more water. And so I've neglected to give it the water that it needs. What I have to do and what I've been doing lately, and it's starting to improve its health. is starting to improve because I, I take the hose, I tap into the source of water, I, I put the hose The end of the hose over by the the tree, and it fills up with water and feeds it the very thing it needs to grow. Without this main source for growth, this main resource for growth, water, it shrivels up, and it, it eventually die, I'm sure. Right now, it's not producing any fruit because it hasn't had enough of this resource. Our our walk, our spiritual life, and our spiritual growth works the same way. God has provided resources by which we grow, and we need to tap into those resources and let him work. It's not about, our, our spiritual growth is not about doing things as much as it is plugging into, doing the things that allow us to plug into God's resources for growth. Two of those resources are the Bible, God's Word, and prayer. Uh, We're going to look at these in growth groups. That's what the growth groups are about in the message series in October. But it's crucial to soak in God's Word, to soak it in to your life, and then to allow it to change the way that you think and the way that you approach life. That's, That's the crucial thing. Prayer. We need to learn how to talk to God, to listen to God, to let him guide us. In, in these things. And so we're, we're going to look at these things. Two other resources for growth that God's given are fellowship and ministry. Fellowship is, is meeting together, working together. I serve you, you serve me. Um, we're, we're pulling together to accomplish something. Fellowship is crucial. Ministry is serving, and it involves serving together and sharing the message uh, of good news. God uses other things to grow us, but those four are vital. We, we have to stay plugged into these things. If, if, we, if we don't, then our, our spiritual growth begins to shrivel up and we begin to die. The key to growth is tapping into these things. When someone disconnects from church life, their growth begins to wither. And this is why Satan makes such a ploy. To unplug us. Our growth begins with Come, coming on Sundays is important because you hear the Word of God taught. Plugging into a smaller group is another crucial step. Uh, and, and I want to encourage you, plug into the growth groups if, if you can. It's going to be it's going to be a good a good uh, book that we're working through and good biblical perspective to soak in. Um, if you're on campus, don't disconnect from the campus group. The, the church there on campus that God put together, the group's not really a, a, a local church in that sense, but wherever the, church, wherever the people of God are, that's, that's the, the group that he's put together to do his purpose. And the enemy's going to try to do everything he can to unplug you from that group. Stay plugged in and, and connect in that way. The fellowship and the ministry that we do together is vital to our spiritual health and our spiritual growth. Nobody can do the Christian life alone. I'm telling you, you cannot pull it off on your own. It's it's going to be lived out in the context of a group. The church is all about working together to accomplish the mission that we've been given by God. And uh, there's no selfish hypocrisy in team, is there? (laughs) You know, the Pharisees, and there's a pull in us We want to define it this way. It's what we do, it's a religion, it's rituals, it's over here, so that we can do this over there. But church life is about pulling together to do what God's asked us to do. So in the church, everyone serves. We are servants. That's what we've been looking at in this series, Ephesians 4.11. We're to get equipped for the work of service. This is what we're to get equipped for where every one of us, whether we're a leader or a team member, th- this goes for leaders and team members. Leaders, look at First Peter 5, 2 through 3. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Remember the first week, if you were here, I was talking about a, an argument that broke out among the disciples about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom, and Peter's the one that wrote this passage, and I think as he's writing this passage, he's thinking about that skirmish between James and John. I have a feeling Peter was right in the middle of it, you know, mixing it up. You're not going to be the greatest. What do you mean? Um, I'm, I am I want to be the greatest, so Jesus hears this skirmish going on among his disciples, and he makes it very clear. In the world at large, leaders use their authority to lord it over the people under them. But that's not how it is in my kingdom. In my kingdom, the greatest are going to be the servants. The the, the one who gets the highest place in my kingdom is going to be the slave of all. That's how it works here. And so as Peter's writing this instruction to church leaders, I'm sure that's in the back of his mind. He says, we don't lord it over, but we serve. It goes for team members as well. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, here goes the unbreakable law again, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There it is again. When you see a phrase like that repeated over and over and over again in the Bible, God is trying to clue us into an important fact or law about life. Humility is the way to honor. Humility before God and the people around us. In fact, when I take my place to serve, then everyone grows. So, so when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. In the church, everyone serves and everyone shares. We are stewards, the Bible says. A steward is someone who's been entrusted with something important. Perspective of Scripture is we've been entrusted with a message that is vital for people to hear. We've been entrusted with a message of the good news of Christ. And when the church was first getting started, uh, you can read about it in Acts, the authorities in Jerusalem were trying to squash it, trying to stop it. They were uh, The church was being severely persecuted and um, abused. And here's a passage that, church, that It tells how the church responded after Peter and John were arrested for the first time. They they were sharing the the message about Christ. They were arrested. And then this is the tail end of a prayer that the church prayed when they got together. For indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together in the city with the Gentiles and the people of Israel against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you made Messiah. They gathered to do everything that by your power and will you had already decided would happen. And now, Lord, take notice of the threats that they've made and allow us, your servants, to speak your message with boldness. Reach out your hand to heal and grant that wonders and miracles may be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they finished praying, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim God's message with boldness. In spite of the opposition and the persecution, the entire church continued to share God's message. And this is our role. Everyone serves. Everyone shares. And look at how we're supposed to do it. Look at how we're to approach sharing this message in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect and humility. That that I have it memorized in another version that says, but in your hearts... Reverence Christ as Lord. In your hearts, humble yourself before God as you try to share the message with the people around you. This is how we do it. We team up in church life to share the good news. In the effort, we grow and our faith develops. The whole church makes progress in its mission, the assignment God's given us. When I take my place and share, the church grows. Acts 2.47 uh, it says, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and every day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Now, so being connected and contributing to a local church is vital to your spiritual health. When when I serve and I give to advance God's purpose in the world, God stretches me. Now, I don't, sometimes I don't want to be around people. I'm an introvert. It's a bad job for an introvert, isn't it? But sometimes I just want to be on my own. But if I'll take the step out to get around people, boy, God brings encouragement. That's a resource that God's given me. The fellowship of the people around me, it's a resource God uses to encourage, to strengthen, to challenge me. It's a stretch even for me sometimes to get with a group of people. But if I do that, then God stretches me and I grow. As I try to serve, as I try to share the message, I have to get beyond myself to work with others, to serve, to try to share the message. When I do that, I begin to realize all of the good stuff I have in Jesus Christ. I I begin to realize how good he is and how good he's been to me. Staying connected to other believers in the church grows your friendship with God. And it's out of your friendship with him that all of the good stuff flows. If you stay connected to him... He's going to show you the best way to parent. He's going to help you in your marriage. He's going to help you approach your work in a way that helps you make the right kind of progress. He's going to help you with handling your finances, facing decisions, dealing with trouble. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can try, but you can't really accomplish God's purpose without being connected to him. He's the vine, and we're the branches And we don't do well. Branches don't do well if they're not connected to the vine. They shrivel and die. All of the good stuff flows from him. It flows from his leadership in my life. It will flow from his leadership in your life. Taking my place in the church is a crucial part of staying connected to Jesus Christ and allowing him to, to teach me and grow me and change me. I want to wrap up the message this morning. By asking you to think through your step, next step, as we always do, um, if you would please take out your connection card. We focus on this because Christianity really is an action sport. Where and and as you get into Scripture, you find out that as you do what God asks you to do, you humble yourself, take the place of the servant, and obey. There's more and more understanding that you gain from doing that. He, he grows you in this. So. If you take out your connection card and finish completing any information or next steps that you haven't filled out yet, uh, that'd be great. When the offering comes around, uh, you can drop the, the card in the offering basket. Here are the next steps that I'm suggesting, and you may have some of your own. I'm interested in joining a growth group. You put the number and then the night. That A growth group will really help get connected, develop friendships, and begin to soak in the right biblical perspective for growing. Um, Next step, I'm planning to attend the parenting seminar on September 25th. We just need to know that if you're planning to do that. But we're going to look at uh, how to avoid common parenting mistakes and a biblical perspective on approaching our parenting. Uh, Another step, I'm planning to attend the College Connect Barbecue. The staff and the leaders of CIV would love to get to know you and uh, connect with you and help you connect with other college students if you're a college student. Uh, another step look for opportunities to share the good news with my household this week look for those opportunities to invite them to to next week and then we're having a baptism on the 25th another step would be to get baptized um to this is one way that we share our decision to follow christ with our family and friends we share the the good news just by taking that step of obedience to let people know that's the intent it's a public statement of an inward commitment that you've made to follow Christ. If you're a first-time guest with us today, uh, we have a gift for you. You go through the double doors, and to the left, there's a table with some books, The Case for Christ, which answers questions about who Jesus is, his identity, and some important questions that people tend to ask about Christianity as they're investigating. We'd love for you to have that, and we hope it's a, a help to you. Would you Pray with me as the band comes forward. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word. Help us, God, to soak in your word more and more. Help us to work together here at Church in the Valley uh, more and more effectively to advance your kingdom and your purpose in this world, Lord. We we need your help. We need your guidance. And I pray that you'd help us to stay connected to you and then keep... Connecting to the resources you provided for our growth, Lord, and not pull away. We ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask for your help. Amen. We're going to.